Hello and welcome to The Lash Business Lounge. I'm your host, Lauren Lappin, and today I have a real treat for you. I have my first ever guest on this podcast, which I am super, super excited about. And what a guest. Uh, You might already know her. Her name is Katie Godfrey. She's pretty well known within the lash industry. She's from the UK. She is a multi-award winning lash artist. She has an amazing salon, KG Salon, and also a product line, KG Professional. And she's also a lash trainer. One of the things that really sets Katie apart is, you know, when she started her business, she was a single mum and she's had to navigate the crazy, crazy life as a business owner, a multiple business owner, as a mother. And she just most recently had another child and is still, you know, running multiple businesses and doing it so, so successfully. So I hope you enjoy this interview. And yeah, let me know if you've got any feedback or if you've got any requests for other guests in the future. Welcome back to the Lash Business Lounge. I am your host, Lauren Lappin, and this is the place where we talk all things lash and beauty business related. Today on the Lash Business Lounge, I have Katie Godfrey. All the way from the UK, I am so excited to have her on the show. She's my first ever guest and what an amazing guest to have. So my first question for you, Katie, is tell me your story. I want to know where you started, uh, how long ago that was. I know you've been a lash artist for a really long time. How, how and when did you start? So first of all, thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be on your show all the way in Australia. Uh, so I started my salon, first of all, back in 2009. So we're looking at nearly 14 years ago now. And I started with no qualifications, no clientele, no one knew who the hell I was. I was just little me thinking I've got this dream and let's just smash it out. And it was really, 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 really tough, but I just kept going. I wasn't going to back down because it was either go bankrupt or be a success. That was my only two options. So I kept going and I remember getting a call about six months into the salon from a lash training company in the UK asking if I was interested in lash training. And back then, It didn't even cross my mind to be a lash artist, but as it was a random call and I'm always up for a challenge, I thought, let's just do this. So I went on this lash training. This wasn't even a one day course. It was like half a day course. And after that, I just carried on with my own self growth in lashing and I absolutely loved it. And from there, I went on courses to courses to courses. I even went to New York to learn Russian volume before it kind of launched in the UK. And then I started winning awards. And before then, it just just carried on growing. So that's kind of how it started with the lash world for me. And I absolutely loved it. So 2009, like that was, that was when I learned and that was really the beginning here in Australia as well. Was it around for very long in the UK before that or had you heard of lashes before or? 
when I learned it was so new, like I don't know about you, but it was like using 0.25s, 0.30s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was J loose curl. lashes. Yeah, loose J curl. pots and yeah, it was, yeah. it's terrible yeah. thinking back now. It was <laughs> so, so fresh and it was really, really expensive treatment to have done. So it was very far and in between the clients in the beginning, but I just kept pushing it and pushing it. And I remember loving the price, which I would obviously never recommend to do now. But I remember lowering lowering the price back then to make it a little bit more affordable for people because, again, it was such a new thing back then and it completely took off. And then once I started winning the awards, everyone wanted them. And then when Russian Volume come in, because I was one of the first that was kind of doing lashing, people then wanted to learn how to do the Russian Volume. So it just was a really natural thing for me, but it definitely was the treatment that changed my whole career for sure. Yeah, yeah. So you started your salon. What were you starting with? Were you just like a full service salon? Were you, you know, specialising in any one thing prior to learning lashes or were you doing everything? So when I opened, it was tanning. So we had two sunbeds and spray tan unit and I had one oh, nail bar. sunbeds. <laughs> yeah, and that was literally it and just me. And then I uh, decided about six months in to take on my first, maybe not even six months, it might have been about three months, in to take on my first employee. And she was a beautician. She's actually still with me to this day. So 14 years oh, on, she's wow. still with me. I oh, know, it's amazing. And then we brought in the normal beauty and then lashes and it just expanded from there. So it was only nails and tanning to begin with. Wow, that's a massive turnaround. So do you still offer those services in your salon today? We still offer absolutely everything. I don't physically do treatment anymore. I stepped out, my little girl, seven. So I stepped out about eight years ago. I'll yep. go back if um, there's sickness or if Christmas time when it's really busy and we don't turn, want to turn away the clients, then I'll step back in. But otherwise, I don't tend to do clients anymore unless it's for press, magazines, celebrities or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you've won multiple awards. I received an email from you yesterday and in your auto signature, you had this massively long list, which is amazing. Congratulations. Oh, that's just a testament to how, how great you are. So do you feel that they have helped you get to where you are today? Like, you know, all of the time and effort that you put into, you know, especially business awards and things like that, you know, you usually have to submit entries. You guys should see this list. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, do you feel that they've helped you? Awards have massively, massively helped me. I think over the years that I've been in business, the award industry has changed a lot. I feel that you mm. need to really check what the awards are who's judging how they're judged are they blind judged as a popularity contest it has changed a lot a lot of people see awards as a money-making machine now so I think if you're listening and you're thinking of applying for awards make sure you're applying for the right ones not the ones that are asking for money up front etc when I first started winning awards there wasn't even like, I won one of the first Lash Awards. Like there wasn't even Lash Awards out then. And it's just naturally obviously grown as the industry has. But it was really, it was really difficult to win awards back in the day. Like really mm. difficult. 
there was huge lineups. The judges were incredible. So things have changed. So you have to make sure you are applying to the right ones. But when you are applying to the right ones and you are a lineup in them, whether you're a finalist or a winner, it can literally change your career. Like it changed mine from getting the press to be able to go on like the news and in newspapers and magazines for local people that want a salon to go to that they trust, because obviously in our industry, there's so many people lashing right now. Who does a client go to? Whereas if you have that background of winning awards, then straight away they're going to trust you over someone else. When it comes to my personal like day-to-day, like I'm a business mentor now and a coach and obviously a podcaster. So people want to come to me as a coach because we have won these awards. And it's very, very, very difficult to write like the entries for the awards. They're really, really Mm. in depth. So a lot of the time it goes on that. So people want help with that. So I can help them with that too. But yeah, definitely, definitely start applying for awards if people haven't already, because it really raises your profile. And would you recommend to apply for more skill-based awards or business awards? Because- I personally found in my career that when I won Lash Awards, people only ever wanted me. And you mentioned earlier that you don't work on the tools Mm -hmm. in your salon anymore. You don't see clients unless it's really busy or you've got to cover for someone, which I'm I'm very much the same. I still work six hours a week in my salon, uh, which is not very much compared to what I used to. And yeah, I found that that extra recognition, it was great in the beginning and you, you'll probably agree, I would say, but in the beginning it was great because it was, yet yeah, exposure for my salon, my business. Um, more people in my local area knew about me because, yes, the press, the new, local newspaper, all of that sort of stuff. But what I found as time went on was people, clients only wanted me because mm-hmm. I was the award winner. So that was very difficult. And, you know, I've had to cull down my clients over the years. Did you find the same? A hundred percent. I think it depends where you are in business. So if you are obviously still on the tools, then you can apply for awards that are for, you know, best lash tech and best nail tech or whatever it is that you do. If you are a salon owner and you're not on the tools, you might then put your team forward. So I get my team to do awards and competitions. So then it might, it looks like I've obviously won the awards because of my personal ones I've won. But then even though I've stepped out, my team are now stepping in and up and they're the ones winning the awards for my brand. So it's still my brand that's award winning. Then we will apply for awards, which might be something like salon leader. So then that's still our salon, but then it's still me. And then there's the business ones, which might be entrepreneur of the year or business women of the year or something like that, which then takes me down a different path. So it really depends where you want your business to go and where you currently are to what awards that you would apply for. Yeah. And I think you just raised a really crazy good point. I find, and I'm sure you do too, Katie, but like so many of my coaching clients, you know, they're scared to teach their staff. They're scared to give them all the little tips and tricks because they're scared they're going to end up better than them. And And they certainly wouldn't even be considering putting them forward for awards. So I love that you've just brought that up because it's so important because even though if they go and win, 
it's still your brand. You've mentored them. It still reflects amazingly well on you. So I think that that's an amazing thing that you are doing that because I'm, you know, when I started reducing my hours on clients, you know, I stopped promoting myself as a mm. lash artist, as a beauty therapist. Any any photos or, you know, because no one did reels back four years ago, you know, just photos and things of of um, my work didn't have my name on them. <laughs> but I was trying to, um, like, you know, I trained my team in photography and, you know, lighting and so they could capture their work in the, in the best possible way so I could promote them and grow their clientele. Because at the end of the day, I'm still reaping the rewards from that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and a, a lot of people, a lot of business owners that I come across are scared to do this. Like, do you find the same? They are so fearful. And I think that's because a lot of us started just on our own or just as a lash tech. And then we eventually grow and we see all the time in our industry and it's going to happen. People learning from us and then spreading their wings and doing their own thing. And that's fear for salon owners when we're investing so much in someone else and then they go and do their own thing. But it's it's just something I feel that we need to get over because while they're with you, they're still making you money. They're yes. still bringing the business in. So lap it up while that person is with you. Yes, and if they yes. decide to go and spread their wings, then the way I look at it is I help them do that. I help them progress. They lash how they lash because of me and they will go and do business and set up what they want to set up because I've helped them go in that direction. Yep. So I'm okay with that now, but it did take a long time to get there. It does. It does. I remember the first time it happened to me, you know, I think I spent like a month, you know, like just trying to process it and feeling like, no, I just want to give up. This is too hard. I can't believe this has happened. And I took it so personally. But now I can look back or oh, even, you know, six months after that or 12 months after that actually happened to me, I look back and I go, well, in the two years this girl worked for me, she made me over 300K and she helped me get my business to where it is now. So I'm grateful for that. Um, 100%. And People move on. It's not the end of the world. Your business is not going to come crashing down in flames if one of your staff leaves. Mm-hmm. They cannot take all of the clients with them. It's it's just something that's not real. And I think once you come to terms with that and you realise that people move on, um, it's no big deal. They make you money while they're there. If they're, you know, a good employee while they're with you, that's amazing. What, what more can you ask for, really? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And it, it is a testament if, like, you know, this girl that left me, the first one, you know, so many people would say, you know, years down the track, oh, that's that girl that used to work at Allure. Mm-hmm. And it was her claim to fame that she worked for me. A hundred percent. I love <laughs> so, it when that happens. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, it's just yeah. a fear for salon owners. And I completely get it that. Is. And like you, I took it so personally. But as the years get on, you do get stronger with that. And you just turn your thoughts thoughts around. I mean, I used to think, oh, my God, they've left me. Does that mean they don't like me? Like, are they going to steal all my clients? Like, there's so much thought process that goes and a fear that all the clients are going to leave. But you will get a handful of clients that go, and that's okay. Yep. That gives room for new clients to come in. But you also will find that clients come back. 
after a period of time. Yes, because they do. People will go with a lash tech because of the trust, and they've had them for a long period of time. But actually, it's the salon brand that people will love. If you create a strong enough brand, people will want to come and support the salon as a whole. They will want that salon experience. They will want what a salon gives. So if you're creating that within your salon, then you should always be okay, even when staff come and go. Yes, yes. And I mean, you probably experienced this tenfold, you know, over the years. Out of all the staff I've had, I think I've only had three that have gone off and done their own thing. Wow. Um, how, yeah, how long have yeah. you been going? I, I, this, well, in 2023, I'll be nine years with my commercial salon space. So, yeah, not quite as long as you, but I did get started with lashes in 2009. So, the same, mm. same year as you. But, yeah, okay, that's like we have such similar views here. It's great. Um, and I bang on about this stuff all the time. I'm like, you know, you don't be scared of employing. Like it's the only way you're going to grow. Yeah. You, yeah. Anyway, it's a no brainer, but I want to ask some different questions. I'm going to switch it up a gear. Mm-hmm. So you're a mum. If you check out Katie's Instagram, she's got a lot of content on there with her kids and they're so gorgeous, by the way. But I want to know, like, how did that change you as a business owner? You did mention to me that you were sing- you were a single mum for a time. Let me know how that all played out and and with your business as well. Sure. So when I fell pregnant with my little girl, she's now seven. It was a huge turning point for the business because the business was my baby at the time. All I lived and breathed was my business. Obviously, I was. On my own, I had no one else to look after other than my team. I could just work constantly and have nothing else to worry about. And I loved it. But then I thought, oh, God, I'm pregnant. How am I going to cope? And even though I was excited, I was terrified. I was a single mom at 10 weeks pregnant. So I had to make sure that I changed my business in a way that it run completely on its own rather than me physically being it. So when I first initially fell pregnant, I was behind the chair six days a week, every single hour, the top earner, the most busiest. And when I fell pregnant, I thought, well, there's no possible way, especially being single, that I can have a baby full-time on my own and be in the business full-time. So I had to make sure that I was already employing staff, but I then needed to put the tools down and step out. So that's how I created where I am today because I can now run my businesses from afar. I'm always in my home office. I'm never there. Um, That's within all of my companies, not just my salon. And they work perfectly while I'm at home with my babies. And I tested it a second time around because I've just had my little boy and it's worked all over again. So it's definitely a proven method that stepping out of the businesses building teams and being able to have systems in place will let you be a mum as well as a businesswoman. So it definitely cemented my businesses and made them stronger just by having babies. Yeah. So you would have had a time limit placed on you to Mm -hmm. step out. How is that? (laughs) 
So I want, I'm a, I'm a control freak. I think we all are, yeah, right? Same. Yeah, of course. Yes. <laughs> we do lashes. We're OCD. We have problems. We're, yeah, we have problems. Anyway, yes, Definitely. continue. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't want to leave it at the last knock-in to then step out and then think, oh my God, things aren't going the way I planned and it all goes to pot. So when I found I was pregnant, I gave myself three months, so I was still in my first trimester, to completely step out the salon. And then have the rest of the time of pregnancy outside of the salon like I would if the baby was here. So then I could see if there was any problems, what worked, what didn't work. And I really just tested it to make sure it was all okay. There was a whole process with my team, having them on my side of why I was stepping out. If I'm stepping out, then they're stepping up. There was a whole process with my clients and making them comfortable with me stepping out, but knowing even though I'm not physically in the salon, I'm still very much there. Like somehow I still find out every single thing that happens in my salon. You always do. You always, (laughs) always do. And so having that process with my team and with my clients was a huge part of that. And then once I stepped out after the f- the three months of being pregnant, just testing it and getting used to not being there and getting used to trusting others with the business and just waiting. And then when I had baby, everything was so smooth sailing and it, and it all wow. worked. Yeah. That's amazing. Amazing. So what would have been your biggest issue? What was your biggest problem when you first stepped out? Can you remember back that far? <laughs> yeah, there's a few. So one, I was rubbish at delegation because I wanted to do it oh, all. Oh, yeah. I it's now difficult. Uh, difficult. I now say I'm an absolute queen at delegation. Like, yes, but I it's definitely a learned skill. It's, it's a learned skill. So You're learned. not naturally – I'm not naturally good at telling people what to do. Even though I got called a boss when I was a kid. Oh, you're bossing everyone around, Lauren. You, know, you always want to be the boss. Did in a sense, but I still wanted to do everything myself. Mm. There's a difference between being in charge and being able to delegate, I think. Definitely. Um, But yeah, delegating is very hard. But anyway, sorry, I jumped in there. (laughs) No, it's absolutely fine. Delegation's hard, but I'm definitely a pro at it now. When you see that it works, (laughs) you don't go back. You just keep delegating everything. It's a a laughing joke to all of my team. Um, Yes. (laughs) So delegation, 100%. The other difficult thing was letting go of my clients, not knowing Mm. everything and being okay with that not knowing the conversations that go down in the salon. Um, They're letting go of control. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. And I still find that hard now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, I go into my salon now and there's the clients that have been with us for the whole 14 years and I can go in and catch up. But then there's also this huge client base that I don't know and they don't know me. And it's very weird going into the salon and I'm thinking, okay, who's that client? I don't know. But then yeah. my staff have such a good relationship with them like I would off if I was there. And I do still find that difficult, but you have to separate yourself to be able to grow. Yes, yes. So what have been some of the challenges with being a mum and especially in the beginning um, with your daughter, a single mum and having a salon? And I'm assuming back then you had the training academy as well. Mm-hmm. When I yes. first had her, I had two salons. And I had the training academy product range. I think time management was the biggest mm. lesson I had to learn. 
uh, getting into routine, like my life is now a whole routine and that's what works for me. And that's actually now what works for my children. Like my routine, my children are so routine based. Even my three month old is already routine based. Um, so yeah, we live by a routine, but in the beginning that was difficult to try and find out how to do that. Obviously I had my parents to help me with childcare, but my little girl used to come around to me in meetings and we started franchising the salon. And I remember like I used to say to people, if my child can't come into a business meeting with me, then I can't do business with you because it was me and her. And that's the way it was. And people really, really respected that. Like I brought her up in a way that she knew mummy had to go into these meetings and mummy had to go to work and I have to go with her. But after I get a treat, (laughs) 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 so she used to know that we used to do something really fun after we used to go to the zoo or the cinema or we used to go and get ice cream or whatever that would be. So she used to behave in such a way when she had to. And then afterwards, we used to just be mum and daughter. I love that you, like, you've obviously scheduled that in, like, and you would not be able to do that. You would not be able to take her to the zoo or the cinema after, like, an important meeting if you are still working on clients. You can't. Like, Like, I have had so much freedom and sometimes people look and think, how have you, how do you do all of this stuff and still have this freedom? Like, I'm so blessed I've been able to create businesses like that. Like, yeah. that girl has traveled more than most adults have traveled. Like, we have, <laughs> I mean, we was in Australia five years ago. Like, I took her oh. for one of her holidays. Like, we have, we have had so much fun, but I would never have been able to do any of that if I was still on the tools at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... What would you say to women with young children or, you know, perhaps thinking that they want to have children in the next couple of years, but they already have a salon and they're kind of like, oh, well, I'm just going to have to give that up or I'm just going to have to wind it down or I'm going to be on maternity leave and not make any income while my baby's young or and look, I, I, I'm not going to offend, oh, I'm probably going to offend some people, but like I find that I've found personally, you might have found this too, Katie, some women use having young children as an excuse as to why they can't, um, why mm-hmm. they can't do specific things or, you know, they can't run a business or they can't be a good mum if they have a business. That's what I hear a lot. I can't be a good mum and a good wife and a good business owner. I can't yeah. do it all. It's one or the other. And I don't know where that's come from, whether it's just a like a limiting belief that we've placed on ourselves, society. Yeah. What What would you say? Like, you know, obviously you are living proof that it can be done. Well, yeah, I see it as an excuse. Like, and exactly, if I can do it single, then I don't know why anyone else can't do it. Like you can, if you really want to make it work. I think just because you're a mom, it doesn't mean that you can't be anything else. Like yeah. I'm a mum and a businesswoman. Hundred percent. I love my children. Do not get me wrong. And this might sound awful, but I'm not a mummy <laughs> mummy where I'm like, oh I can't God, talk mummy all day. Like <laughs> me either. <laughs> it doesn't give me life. <laughs> I'm not I'm not maternal. I'm really not. I find it weird that I have kids. I think about it and I'm like, that's really weird that I have kids. But I love I love them. Like they're amazing. But I'm, that's not my identity. Um, yeah. I can't identify just as a mum. 
I always and, say that. I remember my mum yeah. saying to me, don't let your children be your identity. And I always remember that saying. And you just said it That's now. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that you had that support from her mm-hmm. because for me it was it was very much the opposite. Oh. And I and I still get it now from my mum. We just finished renovations, like major renovations in my salon in September this year. And we had a grand opening party, like reopening party and everything. And my mum sent me a text message. I can say this because my mum doesn't listen to my podcast. But <laughs> yeah, she sent me a text message and she said, okay, now that that's done, you need to focus on your husband and your children for a while. And I went, cheers, mum. Thanks for that. But no. Nah. You're so experienced with bu- <laughs> you're so experienced in in business and life. But yeah, cheers, mum. Um, yeah, but no. So I I think that that's amazing that your mum has actually given you that advice from such a young age. A hundred percent. I mean, I think a lot of people don't get it, but I do think you can be more than just a mum. And if you're thinking. I don't know how to do it or like where would I start then just reach out for help for someone that has done it ask for some advice like there is definitely ways around it but it's all going to be about planning your time wisely routine and you know it's there's this whole thing about okay I've had a newborn so I can I can say this there's this whole thing about sleeping when your newborn sleeps I'm sorry that just does not happen like or if you're sitting there watching Netflix for three hours that could be three hours that you could be building a business or working on your business like Mm -hmm. there is so much time that you can do things other than feeding and changing nappies like there is so much more yes and just think that, okay, don't get me wrong, it's hard. I'm exhausted. I'm not going to pretty oh, it up. Yeah. Like, I'm knackered. <laughs> like, I'm not sleeping. Like, I'm still running businesses. But I do fuel on it. Like, that's what I love. It's my hobby. So if, yes. you're, if you've got that passion and that fire in you, you can 100% do it. And if you've already got a salon and you're busy and you're the main earner in the salon, then that's then when it's your time to grow. Don't see it as stopping Mm. or taking a step back. See that as growth because me having my little girl was pure growth for the business. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like sometimes we do need that big catalyst for change when you do, you know, take a step back and you really see your business for what it is. You know, when you were mentioning earlier that, you know, you went, oh, I can't have a baby and be the highest income earner and see the most clients. I had similar thoughts. I I mentioned earlier when I had that team member leave and I wanted to throw in the towel and just give it all up. And I went, oh, I've been working for the last two years to build this or two and a half years or however long it was. It's really profitable. It's a good business. I could sell it. And then I went, actually, no, I can't. It's not worth anything because- like you, I saw the most clients, I did the most hours, I was the highest income earner. And you take that away from Mm -hmm. a service-based business and it's worth nothing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, all you can expect a potential purchaser to pay for is the name, the social media following, like the intellectual property. Maybe if you've got policies and procedures, I didn't, I certainly didn't have policies and procedures back then. You probably didn't either. Probably frantically wrote them while you were pregnant. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like sometimes you do need that catalyst. You need something to happen for you to go, oh, I need to change this. Mm. And yeah, 
I'd, I'd already had my kids by the time I started my salon. So my kids are a little bit older than yours, Katie. My son was 10 months old when I opened my commercial business. And I had decided that I wanted to do that mm. when I was about seven months pregnant with him. And I was living the mum life. And I was like, this is not for me. I can't do it. I had a two-year-old and I was pregnant, about to have another one. And I'm just like, nah. Like, I, I've organised every cupboard in this house. I've baked enough food. I'm so fat. I, <laughs> I just need to get out of here. I need to talk to real people. This can't be my identity. I love my kids and I wanted to have them and I'm grateful to have them. I'm so blessed. But, you know, I, I made that decision to start my business and- you just make it work. And it's all about time management routines. Like you said, you know, the fact that your newborn three month old is in a routine already, it's doable. People think that it's it can't be done, but it can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. It's just about, you know, deciding what you want to do and making that happen. But I have completely like gotten in deep. I need to ask you to run through all of your businesses, exactly what you're doing at the moment, like salon training products. Give me the rundown. <laughs> so obviously there's the salon. Um, then there's a the training. We have training academies across the UK. We specialize obviously in lash extensions. We've got the product range, which runs alongside that, which is KG Professional. Um, we distribute worldwide. And then I have business mentoring. So business mentoring, I'd say the newest business. We've been doing that for about four years now. We do membership, coaching, and when I do one-to-one. And then we've got my podcast, which has been going for about four years as well. So my day-to-day now is podcasting and coaching and teams run all the other businesses. So in saying that, can you give me an example of a typical day for you, like a typical work day? Like what what do you do in the morning right through to when you go to bed? So I love this question. <laughs> Every day is completely different. Yes, but yes. My my structured part of the day is wake up 5:30, feed my son. I go downstairs and do a workout at home. I'll have my breakfast still while he's sleeping after his bottle. Then I wake my little girl up. I get her dressed, I get him ready, I get me ready, and then I'll do the school run for her. Then depending if I'm podcasting or coaching, I'll drop off my son to my mum's. And then I'll do my day on calls or recording, then do the school run. After the school run at half three, I spend time with my children. So I literally bash everything out in between school run hours. So then I just have mummy time basically after school. Then bedtime routine is strict, seven o'clock. And then Mm. some nights I'll just have me and my partner. We'll do something or, you know, TV or whatever. I'm not a TV fan, but. I've got to spend some time with him, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be working on the business because that's what I like doing. Um, yes. But sometimes I'll pop into the salon. Sometimes I'm doing team meetings. Sometimes I might do training sessions in lashing. Sometimes I might be at a conference. Like every day is very, very different. But if I'm physically working, it will be coaching or podcasting. So content creation 
mm-hmm. and and coaching. Yeah. Yeah. While obviously looking after my team. So my phone yes. is constant. Like it'll be my managers yes. or my marketing assistant or like be whoever they is. I'm always con- I'm always in contact with my team. Um mm-hmm. but what I'm blessed at is I can do that wherever. I can record podcasts wherever. I can coach wherever in the world. Like yes. I love that I've created that freedom. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's it's so amazing. And I I had another question here like just in regards to content and you just mentioned it just made me uh, reminded me that yeah, you've got like a marketing assistant like someone or a marketing manager, someone that helps you with all your content across mm-hmm. all of your businesses because I know that until a month ago I was doing three. You know, I had my salon, uh, my own Lauren Lapp and my coaching, mentoring as well, and also my wholesale company, Runway Lush Co. And I was helping a friend with his restaurant. I don't know why I agreed to that, but <laughs> anyway, we do. We do. Yeah, we're yeah. Anyway, I like to help, but so that was very difficult for me. And I have outsourced stuff in the past, but yeah, h- how do you run it? How what's you know? How do you manage to constantly create? so much content across all of your businesses it's definitely a full-time job I Mm -hmm. have (laughs) definitely um and it could be exhausting and you get content block but we have three accounts that we need to manage but then that's three accounts on TikTok, three accounts on Instagram, three accounts on Facebook, three accounts everywhere else. Then our email marketing, like there's there's a lot that goes behind the scenes. Yeah. I have Amy, she's my absolute diamond and she runs all of our marketing. So when it comes to, uh, for example, socials, when it comes to the company, so the salon and the training and products, KG Professional, she will run those and she'll think of all of that content and she's great at that. And then when it comes to my personal, so uh, KG underscore Katie Godfrey, she may do some emails back, but mainly that profile is purely me. It's Reason you, yeah. being is because it's you. <laughs> exactly. It's my personal brand and yeah. I don't ever want to lose that. So a lot of the time I still will get content block, even though I'm just doing that one Instagram account. Mm. So Amy will go, okay, you haven't spoken about this, or maybe you need to re- redo this, or like there's this picture, why don't you use that? And she'll real help me with what I should put out there. But oh, that's amazing. It's always my words because when you're creating a personal brand or you start growing in business, sometimes you can lose that personal brand and it just becomes just a company brand. So people Mm. don't really buy into it as much, but you need to make sure you keep that personal brand out there all of the time. So people will go back to my page and see who's behind the business and people by people. It's always human to human now. So it's very important to make sure you do that. So I will run all of my personal social media. My businesses get outsourced to Amy. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So good. And did you ever think you could have outsourced that a couple of years ago? No, no. I've, <laughs> I've actually had Amy for two years now. Um, yep. Before then we had company. I'd done, I've done it myself or I trialed companies, but even yes, though- Like it, social, social media management places. It, yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't work for us. It looked too, too staged. Like it's, you lost the whole personal of it. It's very vanilla, I find. 
it's the same sort of content with a beauty angle to it. Like it, it's that's what I've experienced when I've hired social media managers in the past for my salon, my wholesale brand, and yeah, just engagement just took a nosedive. Really, it's yeah, boring. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I still do it myself. Yeah, it's it's it is a full time job. There's no, there's no way around it. <laughs> Definitely, because it's not even now just posting. Like you can't just post and leave. You have to interact. You have to comment yeah. back to all the comments. You have to be in your DMs. Like you have to be building a community of people and relationships inside social media. So yeah, it's really really important to make sure that you're doing that properly if you want to build on social. Hundred percent. So. Just a couple more little questions. You've obviously hired a lot of staff over the years. How has your hiring process changed over the years? Like what did you do in the beginning versus what you do now um, when you hire? And I think maybe for our listeners, we'll keep it to salon staff because obviously you have you have staff in your training academy, you have staff in your um, your wholesale and all of that, your products and marketing, but we'll stick to salon staff in this instance. For my listeners, I think that they'll be most keen to know about those. So I would say before, in the early days, I would go with someone that's got all the qualifications, that works amazing, (laughs) that I think, yeah, that portfolio is incredible. All the clients are going to go to them. They would be my go-to people. And then over the years, I found that it's about the person. I can train someone to be to that standard, but I can't train personality and I can't train culture. And Or loyalty. or work ethic <laughs> definitely definitely so now I'll go by yeah they still have to have some basics they still have to have a natural flair in beauty but I want a trainable spirit I want definitely loyalty is my biggest thing for me I want yeah. someone that's loyal yeah and someone that's just passion like they just love beauty like they're keen they want to learn they want to grow within my business So I definitely look for more personality traits now rather than how good their work is because I'm a trainer. I know I'm good at the treatments, so why can't I train them to be how I want them to be? Yep, that's exactly right. Same as me. (laughs) Did you find the same then? Oh, 100%. Early, Early on, I'd be like, Yep, this girl's like so good. She's got such a good reputation. Um, she's so good at lashes. I'm hardly gonna need to spend any time with her. She's already trained with this famous trainer, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Like she's just gonna come in and slot in. I'm not gonna have to spend much time, you know, training her and getting her up and running with clients. She's just gonna start making me money from the beginning. No. And usually those ones, they come with baggage. They usually think that they're too good. They don't need to listen to me. They don't need to do things the way I expect them to be done in my business. Stuck in their ways. Stuck in their ways. They don't need to build relationships with clients because they're so good at lashes. They're already so good. They don't need to talk to people and be nice to them and make them feel Mm -hmm. good while they're in the salon. So, yeah, I 100% hire now. Usually, even if people have no skills, I'm in a smaller sort of rural area and there's not a lot of lash techs around. So I've had to train people from scratch 
so many times, but those people always end up being the best employees and they stay the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and they, they work hard and, and, you know, they're very, very grateful that I've given them a skill, you know, that they're, they're empowered with now that, you know, they can earn a good living and support themselves or their families or, or whatever. So, yeah, personality always. That first hire, you might need someone who's got a reasonable amount of skill because, like, if you're going just from you to one, your first team member, you're not going to have a whole lot of time to be able to train that person because you are flat out with clients. So you probably are going to need to look for someone with a reasonable amount of skills that you can tweak, polish. But then after that, you can use that first person to help you train. That's what I've found anyway. Yeah, um, it was yeah. exactly the same. Exactly the same. I mean, it's always that throw up off. I have zero time to train someone or yeah. I don't want to invest my time into someone. But exactly the same as you, those that I've spent that time on have been the best people. They've been the best that have yeah. turned into lash artists and they have stayed with me for years. I mean, most of my staff stay with me for five plus years. Like, yes, most of yep. them have come from nothing as in no yep. qualifications so it definitely definitely works those that are more experienced not all of them some of them are really good I've got one with me currently now she was very experienced when she joined me so you know that's great but most of them stay with you for a few months and that's it or they don't like being told what to do they don't like change like you can be a really good lash artist but then when you come into my salon there might be just different tweaks I want you to do or a different way of greeting a client a different way of saying aftercare or whatever that might be yes it makes all the difference yeah it makes such yeah. a difference so teams need to be open to how you're going to do that I want to know that if a client comes into the salon it doesn't matter what therapist they go to they're going to have exactly the same experience yeah and that's yep. what's important yes so I think maybe to finish up, what would you say to anyone that just thinks that they can't, they can't delegate, they can't grow a team, it's too hard? Like you just said, going from one to two people is probably the hardest step and they don't want to invest their time. I get asked a lot, how much is it going to cost me to put on a staff member? Or how long does it take till they start earning you money? How long is a piece of string? But what would you say to anyone that, you know, is a solo artist or maybe just has one staff member or a contractor or something like that that wants to take it further, you know, and thinks that they just think that it's too hard? I would mostly say can't is not a word because you definitely can. I would say (laughs) get a coach because it will fast forward you and just give you accountability, which is the biggest thing I personally done. Like I'm still investing myself daily. I've done a massive investment for next year (laughs) that I'm so excited about. Oh, I saw that the other day and I went, oh, I wonder if she's got a new coach or something like that. Yeah, I um, have a big scary thing. Yeah, no, I have heavily invested, but you have to make yourself accountable and you have to have that person to lean on and you have to learn from people that have been there and done it. So I'd say get yourself a coach so someone can handhold you and 
don't let fear stop you. If you're if you're fearful, then that's great. It'll be a massive push behind you. So just keep yeah. going because you definitely, definitely can do it. So just take that leap and do it. Just do it properly. That's all I say. Yeah. Make sure you employ, yes. like research, like how to do employment, research how dodgy. to be a leader. Exactly. Don't, don't be a dodgy boss. No, <laughs> I can't stand that. It's literally one of my pet hates on the industry. Yeah. Don't get me yeah. started. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do it properly and you will do well. Yes, yes. Okay, well... Where do my listeners find you, Katie? Tell me, give me all the Instagram handles and websites and stuff. <laughs> so if you check me out on Insta, KG underscore Katie Godfrey, you can see all my stuff there. There's my link tree there so that can follow you to all the other businesses. And then I'll also give you a link for my free book. So everyone can then just download that, all of your listeners. It's a really good business book so they can check that out. Um, yeah. So follow me on Instagram. And I'll link in everything in the um, description here in this episode anyway. So don't stress if you're driving or running or at the gym or whatever. Um, You can actually just read the show notes and everything will be listed in there for you. But thank you so much, Katie. I, I feel like this was a great chat. We covered so, so much in this chat. And if you're not already, go and follow her. Show us some love on the Instagram and, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. No worries at all. Thanks, Katie. Bye.